With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This is John Middlecoff from 3 and Out with John Middlecoff. Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Volume. Charles Darwin. The Nerds is where it's at. Welcome everybody back to Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brevard. Alongside me is Logan Camden. And today we are going to be doing another agonizing historical top 10 for you all. We're going to be ranking the top 10 quarterbacks in NFL history. Logan, this was a very difficult one for me to make, but we'll let you get started. Who do you have at number 10? So Carson, a long time ago, we actually ranked these 10 QBs, and then my 10 spot was my favorite football player of all time, Ben Roethlisberger. And now that I've had a few years removed from Big Ben retiring, I have i don't have the same rose-tinted goggles that I had uh, when Ben was you know, fresh off of his retirement. Uh, I still have a soft spot for Ben in my heart, but uh, I remember making a big argument for Steve Young not being over Big Ben. Uh, I have flopped on that, mm-hmm. and... Steve Young now occupies my 10 spot. I just think when you look at the contemporary talent around the league, I mean, Steve Young actually stood head and shoulders above these guys. He's a two-time MVP, right? Uh, he's a seven-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro. Ben doesn't have any All-Pro nods, any MVP. Was never definitively the best QB in football, right? Was always top five, but never above the Mannings, the Breezes, the Bradys of the world. And then you look at... Just pure efficiency, man. Steve Young is one of the most efficient quarterbacks of all time and really ahead of his time in terms of play style, too. Him and Montana both in terms of their mobile. You can use them in a bunch of different uh, pre-snap stuff out of the shotgun, uh, out of single back. You know, they're really versatile and mobile along with being super efficient. Big Ben was never super efficient, too. Always had that gunslinger, could, could throw that pick, too, right? Steve Young is always super efficient. And then... I think the final thing that really hammers home why I think Steve Young should be over a guy like Big Ben, too, is Steve balled out in his one time in the Super Bowl. Granted, it's not great competition, right? He's taking on the uh, San Diego Chargers. That's a Chargers team that I don't even think should have gotten to the Super Bowl, Carson. That's a team that the Pittsburgh Steelers should have trounced in the AFC Championship game, Mm -hmm. but they end up losing. Chargers go to the Super Bowl. Steve Young has 
arguably the greatest single performance in Super Bowl history, throwing six touchdowns. Uh, everybody ate that game, not just him. Jerry Rice, Roger Craig, they all get multiple TDs in that game. Over 300 yards, six touchdowns. It's one of the greatest individual Super Bowl performances of all time. And Big Ben kind of crumbled on the biggest stage, right? He's got a, a classic all-time moment uh, to Santonio Holmes in the back of the end zone. That's an, that's an all-timer, but it doesn't encapsulate a great Super Bowl performance, something that Ben never had on the biggest stage. Threw a pick six in the first quarter against the Green Bay Packers. Throws another crucial interception uh, in his debut, right? So... I think Young performed better on the biggest stage, was overall more efficient, and you can definitively say that he was just better than his contemporaries definitively, something that I just don't think you can say for Big Ben. That being said, I do think both of these guys had a ton of help around them. Young has basically eight to nine healthy seasons as the Niners' starting quarterback, five top five defenses, six top ten defenses. That was also something that I marked against Ben, man. Ben was loaded. Four, he played with four number one defenses, eight top five defenses, and 11 top 10 defenses. This is a conclusion that I never thought I was going to reach with Big Ben Carson, but looking back, I'm a little disappointed. I think the Steelers should have accomplished more and should have a few more rings on their fingers. I don't even think Big Ben is my first guy off. I think if we're looking at other guys, I think Otto Graham is probably my first guy off, and then maybe uh, maybe a guy like Kurt Warner. Kurt and Ben were really fighting for that number 12 spot. And if you guys have an issue with me having Otto Graham off my list, uh, you can take it up with your great-grandfather. Let him know. He knows where to find me, where I'm at. Um, just a little too far behind my time. All due respect to Otto Graham. But, yeah, this was the biggest flop for me, Carson. Uh, my favorite player, Big Ben, is going to be omitted from this list, and I'm going to slot Steve Young in at 10. And it, it feels like the right thing to do. To me, this is a no-brainer. I did not really <laughs> consider Ben for this list. I think... He probably makes a top 15 push, but firmly outside of even my top 12 because there were a couple of really difficult omissions for me. And I think it's fundamentally what you laid out. Never in the conversation in any serious way for the best quarterback in the league, which I don't think applies to anybody who is on my list. Everybody here has a strong claim for that. And I agree, a bit too mistake prone within the context of his era. I'm very high on Steve Young. I have him even a couple spots higher. I will also say just one thing. When you're talking about that Super Bowl, thinking of Ricky Waters there, no longer Roger Craig at that point. But no doubt, Young had great weapons. He had a great infrastructure. He played with arguably the greatest football player ever in Jerry Rice and obviously just picked up right where Joe Montana left off with the dynasty, consistently had a lead offensive talent, but is within the context of his era relative to competition, maybe the most efficient quarterback of all time. So I'm going to save a bit of my spiel on him because I think I may have him over a guy or two who surprises you. In my number 10 spot, I do have Otto Graham. And I debated, Logan, whether or not he met what I was referring to internally as the Mikan criteria, which is that the league is so much in its infancy or the position you could argue just with quarterbacks still really coming into their own in the 40s and 50s, it being such a run first league that although he may be significantly better than his competition, you have to significantly devalue that. And I use the Mike in comparison because you could argue that relative to their competition, nobody's dominated a half decade stretch of basketball like George Mikan did. I mean, he won six titles in seven years, three straight scoring, scoring titles coming into the league. He was a class above the competition. 
I don't think Autogram quite falls into that classification. And there's a few reasons. Number one being that he did it for longer. Mikan's peak was very brief. I think that he did it against more notable peers. If you think about at his position, somebody like Sid Luckman, for example, who I think some people might argue belongs on this list. And the league was just fundamentally further along. Like when Mikan came in, the NBA was brand spanking new. It was literally the BAA when he came in, founded in 1946. The NFL had already been around for multiple decades at this point, founded in 1920. Although... Graham did start in the AAFC where the competition level wasn't quite as high, but he still dominated so convincingly the NFL that I think you got to give him credit for the totality of it. So I think he would be higher if we were just saying straight up who outpaced their peers by the most in NFL history. I think it's him and maybe Johnny U. Some people might say Dan Marino in terms of statistical production who are like holding the top three spots. But I do think it matters that the quarterback position just was not as vital. Guys were not as productive overall. That being said, he's a three-time NFL champ, a four-time AAFC champ, seven-time first-team All-Pro, three-time MVP. And again, when we talk about just dominating the competition, a four-time leader in yards, if you combine both the AAFC and NFL, three-time leader in touchdowns, and a five-time leader in passer rating, Played for just ridiculously dominant, overloaded teams, especially in the AAFC with the Browns. They had the number one scoring defense every year of his career, except for two when they had the number two defense. So they were just blowing through AAFC competition. But also, this guy is unbelievably efficient when you consider where the sport was at. He is number one all time in passing yards per attempt by a comfortable margin. And number one all-time in win percentage. Just a level of dominance year in, year out of production that was outpacing the league, but also efficiency that was outpacing the league with this unparalleled team success all around. Even though I think that the position was obviously still uh, had a long ways to go. Otto Graham was vital in advancing that and developing that. And I always feel that we are best off judging people compared to their contemporaries. There is some context to that, but it's like people talk about Jesse Owens as being one of the greatest sprinters of all time. But if you look at Olympic trial times right now, he'd be pushing for the last spot or not even qualifying. So it's impossible to hold somebody from the 1940s with where the sport was at at that time, with where medicine and training and all these things were and say, oh, he couldn't hold a candle to these guys today. Of course he couldn't, but we don't have the guys today without all the predecessors. And that's sort of fundamentally where I fall on evaluating guys within the context of their eras. So I do have autogram here. I will be having my late great grandfather contacting you. And let's just say he's going to be pretty pissed about this one. Who do you have at number nine, Logan? At number nine, so this surprises me a little bit. I wonder if this gentleman is going to uh, be on your list. I have Patrick Mahomes at my number nine spot uh, already. And if you have an issue with him being on the list already, I think Mahomes is already very accomplished in his brief young career. And I think uh, when you compare him to somebody like Steve Young, who, like I said, had eight, nine seasons of real relevance, of great teams, of prime football. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mahomes is already five seasons deep. So I think it's a pretty apples to apples comparison and you just look at what he's already done uh, in his young career two-time Super Bowl champ two-time Super Bowl MVP two-time league MVP an offensive player of the year he's a two-time all-pro 
uh, and he's led the league in passing touchdowns twice along with passing yards once. Minimum 61 games played. Otto Graham uh, does have the highest winning percentage in NFL history. If you bump it up to minimum 80 games played, Patrick Mahomes has the highest win, uh, winning percentage of all time at 80%. 64 and 16. Uh, he is already astonishingly an 84th in career passing yards. He's first in passing uh, yards per game. And on an average season, Carson averages 32 TDs to 8 picks in his young career. He's just... He's also number one in passer rating. His numbers are already astonishing. But, I mean, Pat was made in the lab, dude. Uh, mm-hmm. Having watched all these guys play, I just think there's a different talent level than uh, Steve Young, right? It's just the arm talent, the ability to move out of the pocket, to improvise, to create out of structure and in structure, regardless of who's on his team, too, right? Because last season after Tyreek Hill departed, the big storyline was, oh, you know, we're going to see a drop-off from Pat. You're taking away arguably the league's best weapon from him. And he still succeeded. It didn't matter. I don't really know if there's a knock to Mahomes right now. And I think even if you compare it to a guy like Dan Marino, who busted out of the gate with 48 touchdowns, 4,800 passing yards, I still think this is the greatest start to a QB's career ever. Five straight 4,000-yard seasons, two 5,000-yard seasons, 50 TDs basically in his rookie season. You have all these double-digit playoff comebacks that we see from Patrick Mahomes. There's just nothing really that you can say to disparage Pat. He's infallible right now. And mm-hmm. I seriously debated having him one spot higher. I just think there's a, a longevity and career thing that we need to respect at this point, right? Pat still needs probably another five years to really crack, five years at the top to really crack the upper echelon of QBs here. But I don't think it's ridiculous to already have him on this list. He's already so accomplished. He's already so proven. And to me... When you were comparing the the eras of quarterbacks, right? Breeze, Manning, and Brady, to me, Carson, you tell me what you think, always felt like they were neck and neck, right? Any given year, even though I know Breeze didn't get an MVP, and that's something we'll get into later, mm-hmm. I don't really think it matters against this case. It was always right here, right here, and right here. You could take your pick every year, and it was neck and neck. To me, Patrick Mahomes has established the greatest gap between number one QB and number two QB of anybody among their contemporaries uh, Contemporaries that I can point to, maybe save a Johnny Unitas or an Otto Graham. But in the modern era, I just think that is, it's so stark. Like, he is seriously head and shoulders above Joe Burrow, above Josh Allen. It's To me, yeah. it's not even a competition, and that's what really sticks out to me so I don't know if you're gonna have him here I don't really think it's ridiculous to already have him on my list he's so accomplished so efficient so talented um Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen with my own two eyes and so I have no issue putting him at nine already let me ask you who do you have at number eight I have John don't give me the spiel just John Elway okay so let me ask you this if Patrick Mahomes were to retire today knowing that you think he has a significantly higher peak, has accomplished more in terms of like the peak pinnacle of the sport with individual accomplishments, two MVPs to Elway's one. They both have the two Super Bowls. I think it's pretty clear whose were in mm-hmm. more impressive fashion, just given that Elway was 37 and 38 TD was carrying the offense. Would it even feel right for you to have Elway above Mahomes? That's what I'm debating too, dude. I wonder if Elway should be at number 10 on my list and if I should have... Mahomes and Young above him. I played with Mahomes up to even over a guy like Dan Marino, Carson. Like, I yeah. I played with him all the way up to number seven. It just feels 
there's something about it that still feels just a little early. Like, I think you should be on the list. Do you have Mahomes even higher on this list already? I do, because I think the gap between his peak and everybody below him and the fact that he has already accomplished the most significant things in the sport twice and the fact that his per game marks are completely unparalleled and that I do believe he's just fundamentally the best talent the game has ever seen. All of those things make me confident in having him all the way up at number seven. I think, as you said, he's the greatest, well, I shouldn't say greatest, the best quarterback to ever play the game. When you consider the combination of sheer arm strength and all the throws that allows him to make, the variety of arm angles from which he can throw, and the level of pressure that he is therefore able to make these unbelievable plays from in all these different situations on the run. His level of mobility, being among the most effective running quarterbacks ever, but also in terms of just extending plays. And then also the consistency of his accuracy, his placement, his IQ. Like this guy is, as you said, number one by far in passing yards per game. He's also number three all time in interception percentage. He does not turn the ball over. And yet that is perceived as the biggest knock on him. He is without question, the most perfect quarterback we have ever seen. Already in his five years as a starter, two-time leader in yards, two-time leader in touchdowns. You mentioned his average per year. That's including his rookie season when he just started the one game. His averages just projected to a 16-game season as a starter over his career are 4,850 yards, 38.4 touchdowns, 9.8 interceptions, and 12.8 wins to 3.2 losses. I just do not believe that anybody ever competes with that. And the team success, you mentioned number three all-time in quarterback win percentage. Number one, if you do set that 80-game minimum. He's 11-3 and three in his playoff career. That already gives him more playoff wins than Drew Brees, Dan Marino, Steve Young. Puts him tied with Aaron Rodgers. Five straight championship game appearances and two Super Bowl wins. And is consistently leading historically great offenses. Has already led two number one scoring offenses in five years. The Chiefs have been top two in yards per play every single season he's been the starter and number one three times. They've averaged 30.1 points per game under him and number two in the league in that time is Tampa with 26.5. And you can talk about the supporting infrastructure with Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey, sure. But we just saw him go out and put together a historically great season and offense and a Super Bowl winning season without Tyreek Hill, without a number one receiver. Obviously, Kelsey fills that role, but that would really impress anybody around the league. He has not consistently had overly impressive run games. He has not consistently had elite defenses at all. And yet he, more than I think anybody else in NFL history, is able to singularly compel you to contention with this mind-blowing combination of creation and efficiency he just does things that nobody else has ever been able to do I think it gives him the highest peak in the history of the position and so yes even in five years I just wouldn't feel right having him below a guy like Elway or say Brett Favre when I'm like he was so much better at his peak and he did more that really truly mattered in the scope of NFL history in his five years than those guys did even in their 15 to 20. So I have him even higher at number seven. But at my number nine spot, I have Dan Marino, who is a three-time first-team All-Pro selection and a one-time league MVP. 
led the league in passing yards five times and touchdowns three times. And the start to his career is just utterly absurd when you consider how dominant he was from the jump. From 1983 through 1986, his first four seasons, he averages 275 yards per game, most in the league, and had 142 touchdowns. Next best in the league in that span was 98. And of course, his year two, he wins MVP, goes to the Super Bowl, and sets passing yards record, first 5,000-yard season ever, and touchdowns with 48. It's just unfathomable and really only Mahomes I think surpasses that kind of beginning to a career from 1983 through 92 he is just lapping the field in terms of production 9,200 yards and 89 touchdowns more than anybody else in that span and when he retired held the passing yards record by 10,000 and the passing touchdowns record by 78 so You talk about guys who are ahead of their time, who are totally outpacing their peers in terms of production. It's Autogram, it's Johnny U, it's Dan Marino. And I think the skill set is also all time. And people talk about him as one of the great pure passers ever. Some people might say the greatest for very good reason. When you consider the raw arm talent in terms of strength, the quickness of his release, his pocket presence, but also his accuracy, his control of the game. I had a little bit of a Marino versus Favre debate in my mind just because I think Favre's peak from like 1994 to 98 is really, really high enough to put him firmly in these conversations. And he does have the Super Bowl, which Marino does not. I ended up not really valuing that too much just because I think that's sort of a supporting cast issue. Like Favre had the number one defense in football. If Marino ever had that, he very well may have won a Super Bowl that year. We just never saw it. But Overall versus Favre, despite playing in an earlier era, more yards per game, better touchdown interception ratio, more adjusted yards per attempt, better passer rating, just all around more efficient. And outside of some of the insane improvisation, gunslinger stuff, there's just not much that a guy like Favre did better. Maybe maybe a bit more mobility in his early years too. The reason I don't have Marino higher, despite him having all of these remarkable statistics relative to his era and this raw ability, is I think he does have some flaws that some people will just entirely dismiss and say, oh, he never had a very good run game. He never had a very good defense. How could he be held accountable? Number one being, he was not good in the playoffs. Like, flat out, 56% career completion percentage in the playoffs, 32 touchdowns to 24 picks, 8-10 and 10 record. That is not production on par with what you would expect from regular season Dan Marino. I do think he has to be held to account for that. I also think part of this is the supporting talent, but he only led five top five scoring offenses in his career. That number is not quite up to par with most of the other guys on this list. And again, not a consistently great run game, but a consistently great coach in Don Shula. Some very good receiving weapons with the two marks, Duper and Clayton, although surely he elevated those guys too. And he just wasn't the embodiment of peak efficiency at the position, partly because of load, but compared to a guy certainly like Steve Young or some of the 21st century quarterbacks, obviously the game was more turnover prone then, but I'm talking even within the scope of his era, a little bit more prone to some of those turnovers. And so I think the guys who I have above him were generally more efficient, led to more consistently great offenses and bottom line were better in the playoffs and had more playoff success so for those reasons i have marino at nine there's no distance too far for the perfect trip 
Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. You have Elway at eight. Why don't you make the case for that? I'm going to call an audible. I I, I actually don't think I'm going to go with this. You convinced me with the Pat talk, Carson. Um, Yeah. And I I realized the major logical fallacy that I had with Elway. I don't ever think John Elway was the best quarterback in football during his tenure. I think it was Dan Marino. So I'm not going to have John Elway above Dan Marino. And like you said, you point to the two Super Bowls. Shout out Elway for uh, solid playoff success, for being a multifaceted quarterback. He goes to five Super Bowls. He wins two. He's not really the engine to that offense like you say, though. Terrell Davis is. That's the reason that they're able to finally get over the hump and finally get a chip. So I think I'm going to go Elway 10, Steve Young 9, and ah, yeah, I I think I'm going to go I'll go Mahomes at eight for right now, and I'll put Marino still at number seven. Okay. Um, that one's tough, obviously, because Pat already does have all the playoff success. But, no, I don't think Elway was ever the best quarterback in football, and I realize that's why I shouldn't have him as high. I think Young was. I think Marino was. I think Pat is right now. I don't ever mm-hmm. think Elway was. So I'm not going to make the case. I'm actually going to stick him at number 10, and I'm going to be okay with that. And, yeah, I don't know. It took – not that I want to, you know – solely put it on the supporting cast but his supporting cast was better than a lot of these guys he played with nine top 10 defenses three top five and one uh top five defense never had overwhelming surrounding talent I don't think until he got to the tail end of his career you get the Rod Smiths of the world the Shannon Sharps the Terrell Davises but that's ultimately what puts him over the hump and I do think Elway if you want to point to him having one distinct advantage over other guys uh like a Marino is that you know, he was two-way. It wasn't just with the arm. Elway's a really good rushing quarterback in the scope of his mm-hmm. era, too. But, yeah, like I said, 
was never, to me, the best quarterback in football when he was at his peak. So I'm going to slot him down to number 10. I'll put Young at 9. I'll put uh, Mahomes at 8. Him and Marino are close to me, but that's how I'll – that's the audible that I'll go with. So I have Elway – Lower than most, I think, for that same reasoning. And I'll get more into it because Elway is not on my list. I would have him wow. in the 12 spot. Yeah, and I think it's incredibly difficult. We're obviously choosing between all-time greats, especially if you do pay respect to a guy like Otto Graham, which I <laughs> unfortunately decided to do. It makes this list even harder. But I do feel like it's the right thing. Elway is one of the great playmakers ever. When you consider just raw talent, like his arm, obviously the strength, the velocity with which he was capable of throwing. You mentioned his mobility, his running ability, his improvisation. Like Elway was truly spectacular to watch. But I think there's some real flaws that hold him back here. Number one, in his career, 333 touchdowns through both the air and on the ground combined versus 365 interceptions and fumbles combined. Very turnover prone, very inefficient as a passer compared to these other all-time greats under 57% completion, under 80 passer rating in his career. Did not consistently elevate team offenses to elite status before he had TD, just two top five offenses led by Elway before 96 and then did it in three straight years. But that was TD first team all pro. And really the run game was the ultimate strength of that offense. Never led the league in touchdowns, never threw more than 27 touchdowns in a year, led one time in yards and never first team all pro. So again, in terms of individual dominance and efficiency and also leading to dominant team offenses, he doesn't really compare to a lot of these other guys. And then you mentioned the five Super Bowl appearances, which in itself is a super impressive number. But for the first three in which the Broncos got absolutely obliterated, mm -hmm. every single one of them, the AFC was like the weakest of maybe any conference ever. It was like, it was, lest we it was, forget. It was 13 straight, right? 13 straight from 1984 to 1996, Logan. And in two of the Broncos runs, 87 and 89, there was... One 11-win team combined in the entire conference between those two years, and it was the 89 Broncos. So they're walking into these Super Bowls. They're nine-point dogs to the Giants. They're 13-point dogs to the Niners. So when you have that obvious disparity and then you lose those three games combined by 96 points, I just can't value that as highly as an average Super Bowl appearance. And, I mean, Elway in those games in five Super Bowls is three TDs to eight picks with yeah. sub-230 yards per game. Completion percentage at 50, passer rating of 59.3 in those Super Bowls. Elway wasn't good in those big games either. I know that we like to let the uh, – we like to let that one helicopter play, and we like to let Terrell Davis going into the last uh, mm -hmm. play of the game with a migraine kind of shield us from some of his failures, but – no, he Elway was not good in the big game and was pretty average come playoff time uh, as well. So I think those are legitimate things to to hold against him. It does surprise yeah. me. Uh, was who was your toughest cut in your opinion off your list though? I think well, really, it was Elway and Brett Favre. I okay. think Favre's peak was actually higher than Elway's though. And uh, you look at the three straight MVPs. You look at 
95 to 98, three championship games, two Super Bowl appearances, twice leads the league in yards, three time and touchdowns, and is doing that without insane supporting talent, you know, like Edgar Bennett and Antonio Freeman, very good. Robert Brooks is his leading receiver a couple of those years. I just think it's a really remarkable peak. And both, though, ultimately kind of have the same flaws in terms of dynamic creators, not as efficient, very turnover prone. And so I end up leaving them both off my list. Just a hilarious Favre stat, by the way. 502 career interceptions and fumbles <laughs> combined for him. Second place all time is Warren Moon with 394. Like, talk about being in a class of your own. So, my number eight spot is Steve Young. And Steve Young, as you mentioned, started for the Niners for eight seasons. And in those eight seasons, led the league in touchdowns four times, passer rating six times, adjusted yards per attempt six times, all while having 800 more rushing yards than any other quarterback in that span and led them to be a top five offense every year, a top three offense seven times, and the number one offense for four straight years at his peak. And supporting cast and all, that's better than like what peak Montana was doing in a regular season context at the very least. And I just think with... Young, it's not just about the efficiency, the fact that he didn't make mistakes and was incredibly accurate. He was a phenomenal creator with his mobility, and he was elevating these teams and propelling these best offense in the league just year in, year out in a way that other people didn't and was clearly the best quarterback in football for a multiple-year stretch. Could have certainly won three straight MVPs and won two out of three convincingly. And you mentioned the 94 Super Bowl. I think it's up there for the greatest Super Bowl performance ever. That overall playoff run just marked to me the uh, pinnacle of one of the great peaks in football history. So I value that extremely highly. It's really the same thinking as Mahomes. If you can do things of more historical significance than other guys and reach peaks that they cannot really rival... I do value that more than sheer longevity, than sheer counting stats, because I talk about Marino retiring with these records by comfortable margin. Same thing applies for Favre. I mean, Favre comfortably had the passing yards and touchdowns record when he retired, but I just think a guy like Steve Young was better at his peak by enough to where I would have him higher. And he didn't defraud the people of Mississippi. And, uh, another thing about Steve Young, too, that I didn't mention earlier, you know, we always point to the regular efficiency, Carson, the things that uh, accuracy, uh, passer rating, completion percentage, right? Steve Young's at a, a six-time uh, league leader in passer rating, a five-time league leader in completion percentage, but he's also a four-time league leader in passing touchdowns, and that's something that I think gets overlooked. Uh, what makes the great quarterbacks of today's game great it's their efficiency in the red zone as well you know multifaceted can do it on the ground can do it in the air you think about a Patrick Mahomes you think about a Josh Allen guys who are dual threat QBs uh, Steve Young was the uh, one of the originals in that and was also just super efficient in the red zone too and that's why those offenses were so good he was great in the red zone he was overall super efficient and he didn't turn the rock over I'm gonna be honest Carson I didn't give a whole lot of merit to Brett Favre. Um, I think his peak is insane. I think he probably is one of the first guys off. I'd have him below Big Ben. The only reason I say that is, at this point, looking back, dude, Brett Favre was my favorite player uh, as a kid. 
when I think of Brett Favre, the first thing that I think of is him throwing the most bone-rattling, soul-crushing <laughs> interception of all time. I was watching a game at work the other day. It was the 2002 NFC title game, I believe. They were just running at a rerun. It was the Eagles versus the Packers. And I look up when there's a slow moment in the night, and there's a guy coming off the edge. Favre just throws a go route to his receiver. He's not even 20 yards within the play. He's not in the screen. Brian Dawkins catches basically a punt from Favre, runs it back. The Eagles win the game. That's what I think of with Favre. The Minnesota Vikings game, the interception at the end. I, I just think that goes a little too much hand-in-hand. Hand. I think efficiency really is important when making this list. Uh, my number seven is Dan Marino, and I think you could have Mahomes over him. I have no issue with it. Uh, Marino, though, I will say, man, when you were looking at terms of supporting cast, and I think this applies to Patrick Mahomes, too, not really great. Like, Mahomes never really did have that great defense around him. Plays with five top ten defenses in his career when he breaks onto the scene. Uh, obviously slips to the Dolphins because, uh, I don't know, he was smoking ganja and partying a little too much at uh, Pittsburgh. <laughs> so he slips to the Miami Dolphins at the end of the first round. That's a loaded team. He steps into a really good situation with Don Shula, with a number one defense, immediately reaps the benefits. But on his career, five top ten defenses, three top five defenses, two number one defenses – Mark Clayton, Mark Duper, and Irving Fryer are kind of his best receiving targets throughout his career. And to me, uh, one of the greatest arm talents of all time, uh, I think him, Steve Young, Joe Montana, and Brett Favre were the best QBs of that era. I think Dan traded off of them towards the end of his career. And then I I think Dan is up there as probably the fourth greatest pure pocket passer of all time. I would have him below Breeze, below Manning, below Brady, but... Marino was so effective at moving around the pocket with his footwork. You ask Dan, uh, and you see these interviews, they interview him, what was the best part about you, and why were you so successful in the NFL? He said, it's just, it was my feet, it was my footwork, it was how mm-hmm. I moved and manipulated the pocket to create the passing angles, to not get sacked. Um, it does suck, because I think a lot of people hold the lack of a Super Bowl ring against Dan Marino really heavily. A lot of people... Uh, it's always QB wins and rings always go hand in hand. It seems like when we do these all-time rankings, I do hold it slightly against him. Dan was not an elite playoff performer, a little more inefficient than a regular season on the biggest stage. Didn't have a great game. I don't hold that one as much against him because he was such a young guy, but not an elite elite playoff performer. Didn't really step up as much as some of the other guys on this list in terms of playoff performance, but didn't ever really have a great supporting cast. So I do have sympathy for him, but I do think he stands out in a league above his counterparts, but the lack of playoff success you do have to hold against him despite him not having surrounding weapons. Everybody above Dan Marino on this list has significant playoff success and were also uh, just head and shoulders above their contemporaries. And one of the last things about Marino that is really remarkable that you just touched on was his ability to evade sacks with his pocket footwork and presence and IQ 10 times he led the league in terms of lowest sack percentage at the quarterback position. So maybe he does make a few more of that mistakes in terms of turning the ball over compared to some of the other all-time greats, but also was definitely saving some damage on the offensive end with just the sheer ability to avoid sacks. So I have no problem with Marino at seven. I think the margins are slim. Maybe I'm going a bit radical in terms of valuing peak over longevity with Mahomes and Young. But what's wrong with being a little bit radical, Logan? You know, I'm a big peak guy. I love peaks. 
Okay. Who do you have at number six? Number six, I have Johnny Yu, and I will say it was painstaking mm. ranking uh, kind of all those top six, but especially six through four to me was brutal. I played with everybody in between. Um, Johnny Yu is so great. I, I just You just have to give him credit, man. One-time Super Bowl champ, three-time NFL champ, three-time MVP. He's a five-time All-Pro. Four times he led the league in yards and touchdowns. Three times he led it in passer rating. And... Johnny Yu just is so far ahead of his time, man. Like, the numbers mm-hmm. that he was putting up are insane. 290 TDs to 253 picks. I don't really care about the interceptions. Everybody was hucking it like that back then. And, again, that's another thing that we haven't touched on yet uh, with Marino, with Elway, with Montana, with Young, with Johnny Yu. Any of these QBs that you point to basically – I'm trying to ballpark what exactly year I should point to, Carson, pre-2000. Guys, it's a different game. Like mm-hmm. – uh, some of these years, I, I don't know what year they implemented it, but you have the uh, past five-yard contact rule, right, where guys can wallop receivers even past five yards of the line of scrimmage. It is legitimately a different sport that these guys are playing. Johnny Yu is thriving as a, pa- as a pocket passer, as a quarterback, in the most difficult era of football. Well, save Otto Graham, because they were probably beating each other over the head with mallets and stuff, man. It was a, a brutal <laughs> game. Um but any of these guys that you point to in this era of football are playing in a brutally physical kind of game where it's lawless almost. I mean, there's no rules really pro offense or protecting any of the offensive players. And I think that's important to emphasize when you look mm-hmm. at these gaudy turnover numbers with these guys. But uh, nine playoff games, six and three playoff record. Wasn't an elite playoff performer either. Again, it's in a tough era of football. Seven TDs to 10 picks. Uh, in championship games, four TDs to six picks. Um, and he does have decent talent around him. Again, this is a small league. It was a 12-team league from 56 to 60, 14 teams from 61 to 66, and then a 16-team league from 67 and on. So it is a smaller league. He plays with two top one, uh, number one defenses. He plays with six top three defenses. Pretty good supporting cast. But to put up these kind of numbers in this era of football in of itself to me is amazing if he was a little more efficient in this time period I might have him higher and it's tough because I didn't watch Johnny you play uh, you know you can go back and get highlights but I watched five and four play and five and four I won't spoil them right now were two of the most efficient uh, quarterbacks of all time and I valued that a little more but I think you have to put John uh, respect on Johnny you's name I think you have to put him in the top 10 and I don't know I, I genuinely think you could rank Johnny you anywhere between one and six, and I think it is a very reasonable uh, ranking with what he did in terms of his era. So the guys above him I watched play uh, are just definitively more efficient than him, but uh, I can see Johnny Yu being placed higher on this list. I do have Johnny Yu even a little bit higher, and it's tough. I think six is sort of the lowest that mm-hmm. I would be comfortable going with him, but he really is just in a completely different class than everybody else. And he combines that with the truly elite team success from 1956 through 1967, which is Johnny U's rookie year through the season before he misses basically the entire thing with injury and Earl morale takes over and actually still takes the Colts to a Super Bowl where they lose famously to the jets. I do think that's an interesting little thing to consider is how well they did do in that one year without Johnny mm-hmm. U because he did play with some unbelievable talent throughout his career when you think about like 
Lenny Moore and Raymond Barry and John Mackey, guys who are also regarded among the best at their position. But bottom line, he is literally putting up one and a half times the passing yards and touchdowns of anybody else. He has over 33,252 touchdowns in that span. Next most passing yards is like 22,000. Next most passing touchdowns is like 170-something. So, again, it's just completely lapping the field. But also, within the scope of his era, and I'm very glad you did that spiel, Logan, on how everything has to be relative and we have to judge people, especially with these turnover numbers, but also just with the raw production numbers compared to their peers, he was legitimately highly efficient. Like we talk Mm -hmm. about Marino and Montana and where all those guys fall. Steve Young, right, was basically the best at avoiding mistakes within his own era. Montana was elite. Marino was pretty good. Elway, even within his era, was not so good. Johnny Yu, out of the top 25 passers in that span I mentioned from 56 to 67, had the third lowest interception percentage, elite, and the third highest touchdown percentage, also elite. So he's doing it with that volume, but he's also doing it with that efficiency and is a three-time leader in passer rating on top of being four-time yards leader, four-time touchdowns leader, five-time all-pro, three-time MVP with six top two finishes and having as you mentioned, the Super Bowl and the three NFL championships, but two of those just being the decisive championship in the pre-Super Bowl era. So unrivaled production in his era with great efficiency and a whole lot of winning. I have Johnny U even a couple spots higher than this. My number six is Drew Brees, Hmm. who has just a remarkable all-time resume, number two all-time in passing yards and touchdowns, a two-time offensive player of the year, You mentioned never an MVP, which I just think is ludicrous, but behind some of the great quarterback seasons of all time, a seven-time passing yards leader, four-time touchdowns leader, six-time completion percentage leader, and some of the records he holds are just ridiculous. There are only 13 5,000-yard passing seasons in NFL history. Five of them belong to Drew Brees. Only Mahomes and Brady have two. Everybody else is a one-off. It was just an all-time great peak that was sustained for a decade. Like, if you look at 2006, when he goes to the Saints through 2016, Breeze threw 8,000 more yards than anybody else and 52 more touchdowns than anybody else. So he is outpacing competition by 800 yards and five touchdowns a season on average for a decade. And that competition is Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Big Ben, Aaron Rodgers, Phillip Rivers, Eli Manning, Matt Ryan. Like, it is maybe the greatest quarterback era ever. I think, actually, certainly the greatest quarterback era ever. People can talk about maybe the late 80s being in there, too. But, man, it's just insane. And then when you consider the consistency with which he also propelled great team offenses. Mm -hmm. In his 19 years as a starter, led 12 top five scoring offenses. And, yes, had some great minds with Marty Schottenheimer and with obviously Sean Payton and had some very good talent, but he was the consistent piece there. He was the pinnacle of timing and accuracy and decision-making and pocket presence. And those things made him a good NFL quarterback when he had no arm. Like Logan, he's 39 years old, still throwing for 32 touchdowns. His last two years, he literally could not throw the ball more than 15 yards downfield, it felt like. And sure, he had 
Kamara, who was an awesome short field weapon. And he had Michael Thomas, at least for some of that, who was a great possession receiver. But he's leading top five offenses, great teams. He's still one of the most efficient quarterbacks in football. It's because of the mind and the understanding of the game. And that's where he is truly in the top tier of all time. In his playoff career, some people might view as a knock, only a 9-9 record, but 37 touchdowns to 15 picks, 299 passing yards per game, and his one Super Bowl run was fantastic. Eight touchdowns, no picks. So he doesn't fall into the top tier in terms of repeatedly reaching that Super Bowl stage, right? Reaching championship games year in, year out. But so much of that was just bad defenses around him. Mm -hmm. He was consistently leading some of the best offenses in the league with some of the best individual production in the league and efficiency. And he was balling out individually when he got to the playoffs. So maybe I should have Breeze even higher. I just tend to give a ton of respect to Johnny U. But to do this in the best era of quarterback play ever, to still have numbers that stand out like this, Drew Brees really is a marvel. That's that's why I have him at number five. And I think that's important to point out, is four guys climbed the heap uh, above everybody else in the most difficult era of quarterbacks. That's Brees, Rodgers, Manning, and Brady. And they are above them. And, and again, I want to emphasize for maybe younger people who didn't watch it or something, like I said, dude, it's a toss-up year to year between all of those guys as to who is going to be the best quarterback in football. It wasn't – like, I would have probably taken Peyton year in, year out because that was my guy, and I thought Peyton was just the most brilliant mind uh, probably in, mm -hmm. in quarterback history. But every year was a toss-up as to who was going to be the best, and I think it is criminal that Breeze never got that. But he was a pillar of consistency with not a whole lot around him, right? Breeze's career-leading receivers – Jimmy Graham, Marcus Colston, Robert Meacham, like not top-end talent to where you're like, oh, the Marvin Harrisons, the Reggie Waynes, the, the Randy Mosses briefly, the Rob Gronkowskis. Breeze did this regardless of who was around him and regardless of the defense. That is something that I think really stands out about this. Throughout his entire career uh, with the Chargers and with the Saints, he played with four top 10 defenses and two top five defenses. Never played with a number one defense. Uh, I mean, Rodgers... Uh, Peyton, Brady, they all clear in that respect. And Carson, something that I think is truly remarkable uh, that only I think him and Mahomes can really stake a claim to, uh, Mahomes won a Super Bowl with the 16th-ranked defense. Super impressive. Drew Brees won a Super Bowl with the 20th-ranked uh, defense in the NFL, which I think is insane. I Granted, mm -hmm. they were probably putting bounties on everybody, you know, and saying, go, hey, go take this guy out so he doesn't play next week. Now, we want to get him off the field. Uh, shout out Greg Williams, but to win a Super Bowl with that low of a defense, to have such little requisite talent around you, to, I mean, th this team is going 8-8 eight and eight and 7-9 and nine repeatedly every year with having bottom 10 defenses some years, and Breeze is leading them to being still relevant and still competitive night to night. That is something that I think is important to note with the gaudy numbers too, is with no running game, Breeze is having to throw the ball so much game mm -hmm. to game to keep them in these games. They're consistently getting 30-pieced by their opponent, and Breeze is trying to have to throw them back into games. But their numbers are insane in the most difficult era of uh, QB football. Uh, with very little talent around him, it is astounding to me to look back uh, that he is a one-time All-Pro and was never yeah. an MVP. And I don't want that to be a stain when... 
people who haven't watched him go back and all we are limited to are these pro football reference pages, Carson, because Breeze is one of the best QBs of this era and game to game could go toe to toe with any of these guys up in the top four. Uh, but Breeze is going to be number five to me. Uh, I thought was a great playoff performer despite not having a winning record. Again, I consider that more of a byproduct of the pieces surrounding him than Breeze individually. Mm-hmm. With you there, 100%. My number five is Aaron Rodgers, who I think okay. in terms of individual regular season accolades is in a class with only Brady, Peyton, Johnny U, and then it's him. Four-time first-team All-Pro four-time MVP and I think the class in which only he and Patrick Mahomes really sit is being both an all-time dynamic playmaker unfathomable raw arm talent and all-around athlete in terms of mobility and out-of-the-pocket creation and also being among the least mistake-prone quarterbacks ever and Rodgers is even on a different level from Mahomes there. He is number one all-time in interception percentage, ranks fifth in career touchdowns, ranks 114th in career interceptions. Just really a mastery of the quarterback position with these incredible God-given gifts. Has led seven top five offenses in his career, three number one offenses, really a standout mark. And you mentioned... He did have the number one defense in their Super Bowl year, but in all the years since then, and there's been 12 of them, he's had one top 10 defense, and it was the number nine defense. So you consider that he's still seventh all-time in quarterback wins with a 66.4% win rate, and the consistency with which he's turning out these elite team offenses, it's hard to hold a lack of Super Bowls compared to some of these other guys really against him and I think the one legitimate black mark on his resume is his performance in championship games which is a small sample size and that's why I don't think you can really have him any further below this because the rest of his resume his regular season resume is so decisively great that you can't bump him out of the top five and it's interesting because I feel like some of the people who try to do that are probably like merino goat kind of people and it's like well the same arguments that you're going to try to use against rogers unfortunately apply to your guy he's just better than everybody else in the scope of football history but he does have a one in four record there nine touchdowns to eight picks but to me that's it to me the raw ability the efficiency the production the brilliance of these team offenses doing so without consistently elite weapons that's not to say that he hasn't had very good weapons obviously Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones in the run game in recent years Jordy Nelson in his earlier years but really he is elevating teams no matter what in a way that only the few guys above him have ever done at a higher level and for that reason I think that he has to be in the top five Until Patrick Mahomes came around, Aaron Rodgers was QB perfection personified. Mm -hmm. If you were going to make a QB in a lab, it was going to be Aaron Rodgers. I have Rodgers at my number four spot. we got a little nice flow going here. Yeah, I I don't understand why people hold back the playoff and Super Bowl success against Rodgers. He was tremendous in the playoffs. 45 TDs to 13 picks in his playoff career. Over 100 passer rating. He was elite. He was efficient. And it wasn't really his fault 
that they were losing games. Granted, he wasn't great in championship games. We saw a few blowouts, but I also want to point, Carson, you remember that Seahawks game? I mean, dude, that's like one of the greatest gaffes I, I have ever seen in, in playoff history. The You lose an onside kick, they go down there and win the game. I mean, like even that, you just get another appearance. Maybe Rodgers gets that thing done. You know what? Mm-hmm. That You can't put that on him, right? And then I think about the last thing that I think uh, is so special about Rodgers is, I don't know, when I think about Rodgers, I think about his all-time playmaking in big stages, and maybe it didn't lead to winning, but I just think of the big moments. Was it Jared Cook that makes that crazy toe tap on the sideline that Rodgers is rolling out to his left towards the sideline, throws it on a rope. It looks like there's no way you can fit it in there between the sideline and in his arms, and boom catches it, toe drag, one of the greatest plays I ever saw. you got the crazy Hail Marys with Jeff Janis, with Mm -hmm. Richard Rodgers. Like, Rodgers always felt like he just, like, I I don't know, you can't quantify that big playability, that that end-of-game stuff. And I know it didn't lead to great playoff success, but I also feel like that comes in with Rodgers. When you need a miracle, Rodgers can provide one, too. Uh, I think Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen play with my own eyes. And if you're talking about peak efficiency, dual threat, it may be him and Mahomes at one and two. Uh, I mean that legitimately when you consider mobility in there. But uh, I think Rodgers has to be top five. He comes in at number four for me. And you mentioned the totality of the playoff resume with him, which I think is important. He's tied for second all-time in passing touchdowns. You mentioned the overall efficiency, like he's doing better than everybody on this list, save Mahomes in those categories. It is literally just championship games. And sure, those are the biggest and most important games. But I don't know that they can singularly define a career Mm -hmm. like that when he has gotten over the hump and does have at least that one Super Bowl and has been so actively having to overcome roster deficiencies for his career. I would hear arguments for Rodgers all the way up to two. I really would because I think probably the consensus number two, we'll see where we both go, but is Peyton Manning. And I just don't think that Rodgers is that far off in terms of individual Mm -hmm. talent and dominance from Peyton. I think, honestly, has a more consistent playoff resume. Like, the margins are getting very slim at that point for me. I don't think you can do one. You can say that Aaron Rodgers is more talented, that he was a more perfect quarterback than Brady. I would love to agree with you on all those things. At the end of the day, it's really impossible to deny Brady's resume. But... I I do absolutely believe that Aaron Rodgers is a top five quarterback of all time just because of what we've seen from him year in, year out, week in, week out. Like you said, before Mahomes, he was the guy who was like, oh my God, we've never seen anything like this. My number four is Johnny U. I feel like I've already laid out that argument enough, just completely ahead of his time, beyond his peers, elite team success, et cetera, et cetera. Who's your number three? At number three, I have Joe Montana. I think he's the greatest playoff performer of all time. Uh, big games, uh, stuff on the line. I want, well, me personally, I want Ben Roethlisberger because I'm insane, but uh, oh, two yeah, would probably crazy. be Joe Montana, right? Um, Montana in the uh, in the Super Bowl. Oh, it's my favorite stat of probably anybody. 11 TDs, no interceptions, 1,142 passing yards. That's nearly 290 per game. A 127.8 passer rating in the playoffs, 45 TDs to 21 picks, man. Nearly 6,000 career yards there, over uh, 62% completion percentage, nearly 100 passer rating. 
Joe was super efficient. He didn't turn the rock over. And when the game was on the line, he was super clutch. He had ice in his veins repeatedly. I always love that story, uh, the John Candy one, the one that they always point to. Oh, man, is that John Candy up in the stands? Joe, who cares, man? We got a football game to play, bro. Get your head <laughs> out of your ass. Call a play. Are we <laughs> are we running flood or are we running goes? You know, what are we doing? And, <laughs> and he's talking about actors. But I love that story because Montana is so removed from – Man, it doesn't matter. We're going to get it done. We're going to get the job done. They go down. They win the Super Bowl. Game-winning drive. Uh, because it, it, when you look at – that's the thing that I think that people mostly hold against Montana uh, as a whole, Carson. It's when, when you look at the raw arm talent or the physical abilities, right? Montana doesn't mm-hmm. wow you as much as the other guys. Yeah, he's super accurate. He's super efficient. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's clutch. But, oh, you know, Rodgers had a bigger arm. Peyton was a smarter operator. Uh Mahomes has the greatest arm of all time. Marino had a better arm. To me, that doesn't matter. We saw Montana on the biggest stage be super efficient, be super clutch, get it done. He's a two-time league MVP, a three-time All-Pro, was definitively the best quarterback in football for a four- to five-year stretch there. And, yeah, he's got great surrounding pieces too, right? He's got Bill Walsh helping him along. He's got Jerry Rice. He's got Roger Craig. To me – you know, that's cool. He's got great defenses, too. He played with a one number one defense. He played with 10 top defenses across his career. When the ships were down, uh, Joe Montana's probably the QB you want to send out there to get the job done, man. Again, 11 TDs to no picks in the Super Bowl. That's insane. I don't know if we'll ever see anybody be that efficient on the biggest stage of the game ever again. Uh, I don't think I'd hear Montana past number three, if I'm being honest with you. I just think oh. that Peyton – I don't know. I mean – Maybe, maybe there's an argument. To me, though, Peyton and Brady are just the peak, the the the, the greatest that we've ever seen in that regard. I don't know. Do, do you think I'm crazy for saying that? Would you hear a Montana goat case? Not a goat case, no. Brady's in a class of <laughs> But I thought long and hard about Montana being too over Peyton. And in fact, when we did this list a few years ago, I had Montana too because I think it's difficult to overlook how large the gap in terms of playoff resume here is. Mm -hmm. And obviously Joe cool ends up with four super bowls and three super bowl MVPs versus Peyton's two super bowls, one super bowl MVP, but Joe cool really is flawless on that stage. You gave the numbers in totality, but game by game, 1982, he goes there. It's his least impressive performance. Gets one touchdown through the air, one rushing still super bowl MVP. 85, he goes 24 for 35, 331 yards, three touchdowns, and then also 59 rushing yards and a touchdown, Super Bowl MVP. 89, 357 yards, two touchdowns, including the game winner. And then 1990, 22 for 29, 297 yards, five touchdowns. Like, it's just perfection. And his overall playoff resume, number two all-time in playoff wins and Super Bowl wins to Brady. Number two in playoff touchdowns, tied with Rodgers there. And his 16-game averages of his entire playoff career, not Super Bowl, over 4,000 yards, 31.3 touchdowns to 14.6 interceptions, which is really phenomenal for the context of all of this basically being throughout the 80s. And a guy who I think clearly proved that he is more than just the system or the brilliant mind of Bill Walsh in the early years or the incredible talent of Jerry Rice, because, of course, he won two Super Bowls without Jerry Rice, and he won Super Bowls without Bill Walsh. But 
He led a top eight scoring offense every single year that he was the primary starter until his second season with the Chiefs when he was 38. His first year at 37, he still did that. Yes, he had eight top five defenses. He had a level of help that only Brady, I would say, can claim all time. And so I do get it. But let's not act like this is just a team success playoff resume argument. The guy was a three-time first-team All-Pro. He was two-time MVP. He was a two-time leader in passing touchdowns, two-time leader in passer rating. Highly, highly efficient quarterback. Brilliant decision-maker. Incredibly accurate. In the regular season, a 71% win rate. And you compare that to Peyton. I mean, Peyton's playoff career, 27 games, 40 touchdowns to 25 picks. And his Super Bowl runs, like the two years that they went and they got it done, Peyton was thoroughly unimpressive, man. 2006, I mean, he plays better in the Super Bowl, but the totality of that run is three touchdowns to seven picks. And then 2015, of course, dude, people talk about how important it was to still have his mind there and whatnot. And it's like Peyton sucked, dude. Peyton was a bad quarterback yeah. at that time. The Broncos offense put up 17 points in that game. It was an all-time defense. They held Carolina to 10. Peyton was 13 of 23 for 141 yards with no touchdowns and two turnovers. Like, there's a reason that, you know, it was a conversation between him and Osweiler, Brock Osweiler, who just an objectively terrible quarterback for his entire NFL career. That's why we just can't, like, attach Super Bowls to people's resumes and say, oh, you're directly responsible for this and we should treat all these equally it's so much harder to do in football obviously than it is in a sport like basketball where even then it's not a perfect comparison whatsoever but guys at least have more individual responsibility so that alone to me is like the key argument against Rodgers is going to be his performance in championship games but he's really a better all-around playoff performer than Peyton so then it's like is it logically consistent to have Montana above just one of them but then say oh no Peyton is clearly above him I really debated it I do end up landing on Peyton at number two but I think it's a real conversation to be had that's fair dude and it's it's hard not to let the playoff stinkers that Peyton put up you know, not leave a sour taste in your mouth. You think of the 41 to nothing drubbing they took at the hands of the Jets where he throws mm -hmm. three interceptions. Uh, you referenced the Super Bowl run uh, initially in 2006 and 2007. In the AFC title game against the Patriots, a game that they win, Peyton tosses three interceptions. Another playoff loss following that 41 to nothing drubbing they took at the Jets in 03. 2004, they lose to the New England Patriots 24 to 14. Peyton throws four interceptions. It's not just a – it's not just like the, oh, that's the knack on Peyton. Yeah, that is the knack mm -hmm. on Peyton. When it was playoff yeah. time, Peyton sometimes didn't have it, man. And then those Super Bowl runs, I think it's like attributing – that was not a great defense. I want to get that on the table. That was not a great defense. I don't think it was a great team, but they did enough to get over it. To me – Attributing both of those Super Bowl wins to Peyton is like attributing both of the Big Ben Super Bowls to him. Those are on mm -hmm. the backs of two of the best defenses of all time, two pretty great running games, and Ben showed up when he needed to. Not to disparage the entire case for him, but the Super Bowl wins argument to me is a little overdone. And Yeah, let me tell you what, buddy. 
Those 2015 Broncos are one Fitzgerald Toussaint fumble away from the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Patriots in that title game. Ended up being Denver. I still ain't forgot, Fitzgerald. You're on my mind. You run my head, bro. I'm still mad about that. Um, it is a legitimate case. I'm glad you said that, Carson. I'm And, by the way, if I could just bring up one more instance, mm-hmm. the 2013 Super Bowl, which oh, is yeah. the most convincing drubbing that we've seen this century. <laughs> 43 to 8. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it was those those were some bad omens from the start of that game when the snap goes over Peyton's head, but yeah, no, there's a there's a legit track record there from the regular season where he has a passer rating of 96.5 in the playoffs it goes down to 87.4. In the Super Bowl that goes down to 77.3. You know, I'm not all for these catch-all play uh metrics, but passer rating is a decent one and those are real numbers. Peyton, to me, the reason that I have him at number two, unparalleled regular season success, a five-time mm-hmm. MVP. That being said, I think there are some other guys that could have maybe stolen those. Uh, Priest Holmes, Chris Johnson had a tremendous rushing campaigns in two of those MVP seasons. But unparalleled consistency in regular season success, uh, the Colts always felt like a force when they came into town. And then when you're talking about pre-snap, you know, we, we go into – what these guys do well. Peyton at the line of scrimmage could diagnose and pick up on something the way nobody else could. If he saw a safety out of position, takes a look at Marvin, takes a look at Reggie, we're doing this, boom, and done. Mm -hmm. That's a touchdown. Uh, When you're talking about the great quarterback minds of all time, I think it's a real debate between Brady and Manning for a while when I was a kid. I thought it was Peyton definitively, how he could diagnose stuff at the line of scrimmage, how he could make decisions. It might be Brady now, uh, but it's very close, and Peyton is one of the most brilliant quarterback minds of all times, the greatest arms, and one of the greatest regular season success stories of all time. But you make a great point, Carson. I think that I think you could probably put Johnny U or Rodgers or Montana above Peyton, and I actually I think I'd be okay with it. For a while, I wasn't, but I think it makes sense with the discrepancy in playoff success. It's an argument, I think, and it's a real one. Bottom line, I... Now fall on the same side of this as you, although it is very difficult for me still. I just think, again, I'll make another NFL to NBA comparison here, but in the NBA, I do think you can really look at a guy's playoff production compared to regular season and put Mm -hmm. real stock into guys if they're significant fallers because the game changes so significantly because you have such a larger sample size, right? To win a title, it takes four best of seven game series. Football... I mean, we talk about the entirety of Peyton's career, and it's like just over a regular season and a half. And so given how dominant he was in the regular season, sure, the playoff games are the most important ones, but he did end up getting it done enough to where when you consider, you mentioned the five MVPs, seven-time first-team All-Pro, like those are just completely unrivaled, three-times yards leader, four-time touchdown leader, three-time passer rating leader, and his ability to propel elite team offenses is unrivaled. 12 top five offenses in his career, but Logan, Mm. eight top two scoring offenses. And yeah, he had really good talent with Edgerin James and with Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne in the receiving game and all these weapons, but it's so consistent. Then, of course, the comeback from the neck surgery to have the greatest season ever, regular season in Denver, is remarkable, 2013. Peyton was one of one. He's tied for the second most regular season wins ever with a 70% regular season win rate, third in yards and touchdowns. 
I do still believe as a football player, he is in a class that puts him in the top two all time. Mm -hmm. And he was considered year to year consistently better than the guy at number one, but you just can't deny how the bottom line resumes end up Logan. So why do you have Vinny Testaverde in your top spot? Vinny played for every football team. The longevity (laughs) is unrivaled. Nobody could play for a different football team year in, year out, quite like Vinny. Uh, It's true. Man, I wish Vinny could be here. And by the way, he couldn't remember which team he was on, and that's why he kept throwing it to the other guys. (laughs) Very true. A teammate of Vinny Testaverde's very briefly, somehow, I think every football player ever was briefly a teammate of Vinny Testaverde's. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of those teammates is the unrivaled GOAT that is Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. Uh, You know, for a while, Carson, I was a Peyton Manning truther. Uh, Oh, Brady's got such great defenses. His teams are so mm-hmm. great. Eventually, I put a fork in it after the Falcons game <laughs> where Tom Brady brought me to tears because I was so distraught that the Atlanta Falcons had blown that Super Bowl lead. Carson, me and my dad and my mom were having a kumbaya. We were actually doing a dance at halftime. It was a great celebration yeah. among the Camden household. Uh, we were celebrating. We thought this was the fall of Tom Brady, and then he bamboozled me. Um Brady is one of the smartest, most efficient quarterbacks of all time. He's got one of the greatest arms, man. His Super Bowl resume, 10 Super Bowls, 21 TDs to six interceptions. That's insane. Our 88 TDs to 40 picks in the playoffs. Has played 48 playoff games where he was 35 and 13. We all remember the classic moments, 28-3 versus the Falcons. It just felt like there's a cosmic entity uh, that Brady was, mm-hmm. and You know, there are guys that strike fear into you like nobody else in sports, right? Uh, Mike Tyson at his prime. Um, Trying to think about uh, other sports, you know, LeBron, Michael Jordan, when they come to town. Nobody struck fear into me quite like Tom Brady did when I knew that he was going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. No matter what team we had, no matter the construction, I wasn't afraid of Peyton. I wasn't afraid of Brett. I wasn't afraid of Rodgers. I wasn't afraid of Breeze. Tom Brady terrified me when I knew that he had to play my Pittsburgh Steelers because it was an impending loss, and he sent me home a bunch of times. I think the only argument you could have against Brady Carson is the surrounding team uh, that he had. Bill Belichick, he Mm -hmm. had 17 top 10 defenses. He had nine top five defenses. He had three number one defenses. Even that, it doesn't matter, man. He was so great in all the biggest moments on any stage, and he just won. Again, I think QB wins and Super Bowl wins solely attributed to a quarterback are kind of overrated, but when you've seen it so many times, there's just a track record. 46 comebacks, Mm -hmm. 58 game-winning drives. Tom Brady is the grim reaper of football. He is the soul snatcher, the He's going to kill you. He's going to put your dreams and wishes to rest. That's why I, that, oh, I hate you, Tom Brady. <laughs> I hate what you did to me and all those Super Bowls you stole from my Pittsburgh Steelers. Tom Brady's the unquestioned GOAT, man. I don't think there's an argument against him. I think you can point to the surrounding weapons that you had and point to that. Yeah, sure. He had probably better supporting cast than anybody else on this list, but he consistently got the job done. I love your descriptions of how Tom Brady sent you packing and sent you home. Like, it, it, I was were on you the there team, at Heinz Field? I was on the team, bro. On the field? <laughs> bro has severe he think he on the team syndrome. We might need to call in a doctor after this. Yeah. 
I'll just recite some of the most ludicrous stats. Obviously, Brady's number one all-time in regular season yards, touchdowns, and wins. But in the playoffs is where he just completely separates himself. Doubling everybody not named Peyton in playoff passing yards, and he's almost doubling Peyton. Basically doubling second place in playoff touchdowns. He has 88. Montana and Rodgers have 45. More than doubling second place in playoff wins. He has 35. Montana has 16. And then the Super Bowl, he is nearly tripling second place in career yards. Obviously, it's the completely unrivaled team success and longevity. The guy was third place for MVP in 2003, and he was MVP runner-up in 2021. He was Super Bowl MVP in 2001 and Super Bowl MVP in 2020. We've all seen a million graphics about how the second half of his career is remarkably better than his pre-30 years. But he's also got one of the highest peaks ever at multiple times. Like 2007, you got to chalk up there as one of the five greatest individual seasons of all time. 2015 through 2017, you have this incredibly efficient Brady, one of the highest peaks ever. Then you have Tampa Brady still throwing for 5,000 yards, 40 touchdowns, leading elite team offenses like it's nothing, winning a Super Bowl. Sure, it's impossible to totally separate from the incredible situation that he found himself in. And Tampa was still a really great situation, but he went out, he did it there, he did it for 20 years, nobody comes close. The consistency with which he did it on the biggest stage with the highest stakes, it's Brady. It's it's Brady, and there's no doubt about it. Okay, any more honorable mentions you want to give a shout-out to here real quick? Yeah, I gave a shout-out to Otto. I gave a shout-out to Big Ben. I want to give a shout-out to Kurt Warner. Uh, doesn't mm-hmm. have the complete career that's what takes away from warner uh those lost years where he's uh, on the bench in new york and on the bench in arizona uh, one of the greatest peaks of all time i mean led arguably the greatest offense of all time i'd probably still lean 2013 broncos but greatest show on turf is right up there mm-hmm. especially with the running game component and the receiving weapon that was marshall falk you know two mvps and again, the thing to me is the framing to do that when you first enter the league straight out of grocery bag into the end of your career where you are one of the best quarterbacks in football and leading the Cardinals to a Super Bowl and back to the playoffs when you're at the tail end of your career uh, is remarkable. I want to give a shout out to Roger Staubach, super efficient, a consummate winner. And Staubach, again, is another guy that at the start of his career could have been more. You know, he loses a couple years to the Navy where he's not playing football. So uh, again, you have to look at that just in the scope of what we saw out of Staubach. Uh, shout out Favre, the interceptions and fumbles just took him off of my list. Shout out Fran Tarkenton. If he gets one of those rings, maybe finds himself on this list. And then, despite what happened last year and how that and how his future years might uh, hold against him, Russell Wilson, I think, deserves an honorable mention for what he did mm-hmm. in Seattle. But, Oh, man, last year left a really sour taste in my mouth. That was a real far fall from grace. I'm hoping Sean Payton can restore Russell Wilson a little bit and get him back to at least being an average quarterback. But I think he deserves an honorable mention, too. Yeah, I think Russ is really in the top 15 all-time conversation. But I agree with everybody you shouted out. The most impressive candidate who you didn't mention to me is Bart Starr because he's got like up there for one of the greatest playoff resumes ever. He has the highest playoff pass rating in NFL history, 104.8, which is just completely insane for a man who played in the 1960s. Actually, Mahomes has passed him now, but Mahomes is going to pass everybody and everything. And to be a five-time NFL champ, two-time Super Bowl champ and MVP, 
Len Dawson, mm-hmm. really efficient, two-time champ. Warren Moon, one of the most productive and you know consistent in terms of longevity guys ever. But at the end of the day, I feel like there's some clear delineations here. I really only strongly considered my top 12. And uh, it's a tough list, man. But all these lists are going to be tough. All these ones are going to leave us with some headaches. But we're going to keep doing them throughout the summer because uh, that's the sort of content that we're going to now. It's sports history. It's what we love. We are going to be doing some trivia, going to have some special guests on this week. My nerd sesh flag has just been working its way towards falling down for the last few minutes. And now, uh, RIP, it has fallen down. You can always find the show on YouTube. If you enjoyed, please subscribe to the volume YouTube page. You can also listen to our podcast across audio platforms. You can find us across social media. TikTok, Instagram at nerd sesh, Twitter at nerd underscore sesh. You can join our discord at the link tree in any of our social media bios. And you can buy our merch. Logan is wearing the nerd sesh shirt. The nerd sesh flags are there. Hoodies, hats like this one. So really cool stuff that we're really excited about. So it'd be awesome if you guys want to check any of that out. But with that, as always, appreciate you all. I have been Carson Brabber. I have been Logan Camden. And this was nerd sesh. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.